When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Frozen Lake, North Wind about to break, on footprints in the snow, silence down below. You're beautiful beyond words. You're beautiful to me. You can make me cry. Never say goodbye. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about Never Say Goodbye, the penultimate song from 1974's Planet Waves, is fellow Bobcat Daniel Stedman. Hi, Daniel. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. You um, are beautiful beyond words. <laughs> I'm happy to have you here. This is very exciting. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah, this, yeah, it's great. So, okay, before we get, we, before we talk about the song, uh, we, I have to ask my traditional opener for a new guest is, how did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? Uh, okay, all right. So, great question, because I do feel like <laughs> Bob Dylan, it, great question. The question you've asked I, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> totally unexpected question. Um, no, but uh, I feel like Bob Dylan really just, like, hit me out of the blue not that long ago, like almost like an artist that I discovered a little bit late, yet at the same time, an artist that I've known my whole life because I have two big brothers and I listen to like Highway 61 Revisited and I know I've, I heard Hurricane a thousand times and I'm a, I happen to be like a total deadhead. So I like, so Bob Dylan's always been there. He's always been in the catalog. He wasn't like a Bruce Springsteen, someone that I thought was garbage who i later came to realize is a genius okay all right you scared me there for a minute daniel no no no. (laughs) i was like where where is he going with this no 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 but i did like i remember specifically as a as a kid like i thought the beatles were like so average and then i later was like oh my god john lennon's genius and then just whole beatles catalog and it wasn't really all that long ago actually that I thought I thought the same thing about uh, about Bruce Springsteen. It was sort of like this uh, born in the USA, like raise the American flag, and then I was like, oh wait, born in the USA isn't even about. But we're not talking about Bruce. I, I have <laughs> this Beethoven hack. Who is this guy? <laughs> um, I so the real answer to your question is that one day on the radio, a song that I'd never heard, "Romance in Durango." Mm. comes on and i was just like what is this song this song is incredible and i played the song again and i played the song again and i'm kind of one of those people that can listen to it like a single song like maybe a thousand times <laughs> and then and then of course that's desire right i i yep. listen i i, I go I go through all of desire and just all the songs are like so meaningful to me. And then, um, and then at some point I get like deep into blood on the tracks and I go deep through planet waves. And it wasn't until quite a while later that I realized this is like literally what a year and a half, two years, maybe three years of Bob Dylan's recording history. And it's just this one period. that um, <laughs> It was funny. I don't know. I don't think the albums, I don't know if they really, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. If they sound exactly like one period, I know there's some other albums right in that period of time that don't sound anything quite like those albums, but um, yeah, that period of time. And so 
I would say that Bob Dylan went from being more of like a theoretical guy that I, I, I always like, you know, thought was, I sort of understood to be awesome, but was, I never, I never like lived it and breathed it to mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. that I just, I went, I just went into a, like a deep obsession <laughs> still in it. I'm still, I'm like, there's so much, I listen to your podcast and there's so, I'm like, God, I don't even know half, you know, some of these albums that are referenced, but I, I do love the whole spectrum. Yeah, the best uh, exam- best description of that kind of uh, way of looking at Bob I remember heard was uh, from um, Annie DeFranco when mm. she op- she opened for Bob in the 90s. And I remember she got interviewed and somebody asked her if she was a fan. And she said, well, she said, I grew up with him. She said he was like furniture. He was just there. And I didn't even really appreciate him. And I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it because it's like you don't appreciate the furniture. Cause it's just totally. there and you just deal with it. Every- she grew up with her parents playing it. And it was just like, yeah, that's just, you know, it's just a thing that's there. You don't really wrap your head around the awesomeness of it because it's so ubiquitous. And, totally. uh, you know, and that Bob is one of those things that he's been around for so long and he's, he's permeated the culture so deeply that you just, the times there are changing are just, it's just like a phrase, you yeah. know, you don't think like, a guy wrote that, you know, <laughs> some, a guy who's alive right now, Sat and wrote that it's down. Insane. You know? <laughs> it's insane. No, and I also do think that as as like a passive lover of Bob Dylan, like I like like I was before, before just romance and Durango just like gave me an uppercut. <laughs> I, he was like the protest song guy, you know. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I loved it, and you're like, my parents loved it, whatever. My mom, like you know, like participated in a sit-in, and you know, she's like he's part of that sort of mythology kind of like different generation and then and then yeah and then he like drops this insane album in 2020 (laughs) 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 which i know you've covered but um but god so yeah so um so yeah somehow i got you know i can't remember what there's always a hook i can't exactly remember the specific hook of planet waves but planet waves is an album that i have just like you know i can say it's like each song was like i almost feel like a kid saying this but like my favorite song (laughs) but uh, (laughs) every song on that album like as i've had a moment with but um never say goodbye was just i don't know just something i guess that one has stuck out as it's just so rich. Well, right. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about why you picked that song because this is definitely one of the more ob- obscure ones. But before we close out on this particular subject, I mean, you've incorporated your love of Bob into some pieces that you've written, right? You sent me that one link that featured Bob. Can you explain to people who haven't read it what that piece was? Well, yeah. So briefly, I ran a business. It was a great business. It had with incredible people. And this group of people was able to accomplish some incredible things. And then we got acquired. It, it sounds really um, exciting. You know, it, it, it happened. And then ran into financial trouble after the acquisition. And I really held on. And I kind of went nuts. And um, You too, huh? <laughs> yeah. And um, I ended up writing, you know, there's a poem it's called If by by Rudyard Kipling. Sure. And um, I wrote that, I, I just, I don't know, I was with my kids and I wrote it. Uh, I wrote it down on this giant pad of paper and it became something and we put it up on the wall. And that poem and then some of these Dylan songs and some Waylon Jennings songs and some 
just, uh, and so I wrote this piece about like, here are, I think it started as like, here are 10 works of art that helped me get through insanity or failure. Um, and then I think it became 12 and I think it's still 12, although it's actually 13, but, um, <laughs> I realized that there were these, that these three albums or just songs that had just like really been on repeat. Oh, I should tell you one like wacky anecdote. Um, part of my sort of getting I, at, at some point I, developed a love of sailing and I, I sailed by myself on this little dinghy. It's like a sunfish. And then somebody at the sunfish club was like, does anybody want my 26 foot boat? Like just free. I just want to get rid of it. And I inherited <laughs> this 26 foot kind of piece of shit, Jeez. but, but it's just an awesome boat. And since I'd always sailed my little dinghy by myself, I sailed this big boat by myself and I needed some sort of catharsis to get through to 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 become not insane, and so I sailed this boat from Brooklyn up the Atlantic coast, like around the tip of Long Island, around Montauk, where I got married, into like Sag Harbor, and I played Never. I must have just listened to Never Say Goodbye <laughs> on repeat. I had some other like Blood on the Tracks and Planet Waves, and but this period really like it really like it 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 was the it was the wind in my sail what a corny metaphor but like these i that's that is also like a big there's something to that for me personally how long did that trip take well it could take a really experienced sailor two days it took me eight days i mean i tore my sails on the on the first 40 mile leg of the journey and then hitchhiked across like like got the boat into port hitchhiked across long island to some woman who repaired the sails got back to my boat and then put on like a light wind sail and met her in bellport for the repaired sail i kind of dropped myself perhaps deliberately like into a steinbeck novel and just had this crazy i was about to say it sounds like travels with charlie or something yeah it yeah yeah it was it was like and 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 just dylan would just ran through it with Dylan was the soundtrack. That's fit. That, oh my, that's uh, wow. That's impressive for that's uh, I don't even, I can't wrap my head around that. That that's a very brave thing to do. And sounds simultaneously terrifying, but also peaceful. It was, it, it was exact. That's, it was exactly that. It was like terrifying, peaceful. I, uh, wow. So what was the what part of the, uh, of the piece that you wrote included Dylan just again for people who haven't read it. Oh, oh, just, uh, gosh, I almost have to pull it up. Well, you know, uh, oh, so it was just those, uh, I think I wrote, it, it was like, you know, these 12, 13 things that uh, works of art that helped get me through, you know, like a time of personal and professional failure. And um, those three albums, uh, Blood on the Tracks, Planet Waves, and Desire. Isn't it amazing to think that for a lot of other uh, artists, if you had three albums of that caliber in your catalog, oh my God. that's your career. You know, you'd be, Insane. you'd be, li- you know, you'd be living off those the rest of your life. You're like, well, I had those three. And that, <laughs> and those three were three of <laughs> a three album period in the middle of what his second era, I guess is well, second decade. A, I, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, Yes. And I really like to remind myself and remind other people that success is made on eras and you can go 10 years without like a hit record or a hit album. And that's really part of it. And that's why, I mean, many things make somebody legendary, right? But when you have like, you know, I mean, a lot of whatever, a lot of 
people just have one hit, one record. Yeah. But to have another hit 10 years later and then another 10 years later, I don't know. I mean, I'm another, I'm also a, a huge Bowie fan and I, I don't know like what the exactly some of the gaps are, but every great artist has like real gaps, like long gaps where people think they're done. Right. Right. Yep. And I think what's so funny about Planet Waves, and I'm sure you could speak to this so much better than me, but I feel like that album is just like lost. Maybe because of Blood on the Tracks, right? But um, it's so good. (laughs) And everybody, yeah. No, go ahead. I was gonna say everybody knows Forever Young, right? I just don't know if people really know Planet Waves. I, I yes, I agree with you. And the metaphor I will I will use I mean, not metaphor, the simile, I don't know, I don't know words. <laughs> uh that I will use in this example. And by the way, I need to ask you whether you've seen Bob Live. We gotta get back to that. Let oh. me ask you that live. Have you seen Bob Live yet? No. And okay. I gotta tell you, like three or four I'm forty two, right? So three or four years ago, I would have just said, No, thank you. Don't need to see him live, don't need to spoil what I love, even as I, even as I was in this period, perhaps of loving him. And now I would just like, it would, I I just, I think maybe this 20, I don't know, this 2020 album, I I, I can't even think of the name of the album, but rough and um, rowdy ways. Yeah. And like, I contain multitudes. I think I would fall over if I heard that (laughs) song live. I think I would just fall over. I'd just be like, that person's not, not, that is a mythical figure. Who's not real. And this, and this isn't happening. (laughs) I've I had that experience a couple of times with him. I will say, I you know, I have had them. I'm like, that's the guy. That's the guy. I'm in the same building as the guy. I, that that to me also is it's actually unfathomable. Yeah, I think you know? I just I think I just I think my eyes would just roll back and I would fall over. Like, <laughs> so, I've seen a ghost, or I've seen like a, a mythological figure. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that you do get a chance to see him. I'm sure he is itching to get back on tour as soon as possible. Uh, maybe even more than the rest of us are itching for him to get back on tour. So I hope you have a chance to see him uh, as soon as uh, this is as soon as is possible. We can safely all all do that. So back to Planet Waves. Now, the the, the again the metaphor simile example I was going to use is I think Planet Waves is a great record. It does I think suffer that it is it was his first quote unquote real album in four years mm-hmm. um, because the only thing he had done uh, in between new morning and this was the Pat Garrett and Billy, the kid soundtrack, which is, right. you know, uh, even there produced another amazing song that <laughs> lives on forever and knocking on heaven's door. But I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a full Dylan album in a lot of ways. And so, you know, yeah. you think mediocre, you- totally forgettable album yet produced knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> Well, but the thing is, it's like you, you, so Planet Waves, it's this thing. Oh, he's finally put out this record and people were like, Oh, Dylan is back. And, you know, and, and he accompanied it with this huge tour with the band. And then bang, he follows it up with what many people, including myself, consider the greatest achievement he's ever done, mm-hmm. which is blood totally. on the tracks. Totally. So, so Planet Waves can't help but just look a little lesser in comparison simply because you know what's coming. And the example, again, I'll, I'll finally get to it, is um, in the world of comic books, and I'm a big comic book nerd, uh, most people are familiar with the writer Alan Moore uh, at this point. Even people who have never read mm-hmm. comic books are familiar with him, Watchmen, V for Vendetta, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, he had this amazing run on a book called Swamp Thing that really made his bones in American comics where he took this character that DC didn't care a whole lot about and transformed it into this amazing thing. And he had one of the great runs 
uh, of any writer on any co- mainstream comic book series, uh, period. But the thing is, he took over that book at issue number 20. The first 19 huh. issues are written by another writer named Martin Pascal, who recently <laughs> just passed away. Now, if you go back and you read those issues of Swamp Thing that Martin Pascal wrote, and they're drawn by Tom Gates, a, a, a brilliant artist, went to the same art school that I went to. Um, those are great comics. Like those are great issues of Swamp Thing. They are memorable. They're distinct. They they weren't like anything they had done with the character before. They're really good. But unfortunately, they just get they get pushed aside because it's all of oh well. Right after that was Alan Moore. And that's the thing that's famous. And that's right, not really fair right, to Martin Pascal. Right, you know right. what I mean? It's like, totally. are they totally. as brilliant as Alan Moore? Maybe not, but they're really good. And they get unjustly forgotten because you know what's coming. And that's kind of what I think happens with Planet Waves and, and Blood on the Tracks. Because you can hear some of the elements, especially with Wedding Song and Dirge. And we're not going to talk about the whole record here. But you, there are bits and pieces of the heartbreak that you know is coming that he's getting to on planet waves and you're like, Oh, this is going to come full flower very shortly. And it's interesting to think that of all the records Bob has produced planet waves really so far has been that, that era, at least the 72, 73, 74 era has kind of been ignored by the bootleg series to this point. Uh, I mean, you know, the, uh, the acoustic forever young demo, was on Biograph, and the one of the songs that was recorded for Planet Waves, Nobody Except You, made it onto the bootleg series. Mm-hmm. But there has not been, like, the Planet Wave sessions yet or anything like that. So, right. again, it's another totally. record that yet, you know, Sony slash Columbia hasn't really seen fit to really do, like, the deluxe version of where, oh, hey, you're going to hear all seven takes of Never Say Goodbye or all five right. takes of Forever right. Young. We have, and so... Even that, I think, maybe makes fans put it on the lesser column because so far, Columbia itself has kind of ignored it a little bit. So I, I mean, think that, that's part of it. I, you can't even, like, I don't know. You can't even research some of these songs. It's like, like you're right. Like, the, like, I, like, for some reason, I've been just really curious. I'm like, who, is, who sings harmony on Never Say Goodbye? And I can't figure it out. <laughs> and I have, I, my, alt, my best guess is that it's, it's that it's Dylan just like overdubbing it or something, but there's these, there's bits of harmony throughout the record and I can't figure it out. And I can't, I can't find it. I'm like, where, who, where, why is no one writing about this? I there's always, one thing, yeah. I always assumed it was the band members of the band because Bob hated doing overdubs yeah. on himself. He really hated that stuff. So right. I'm going to assume it's one or two members of the band or something. Yeah. I don't know either though. I don't know. The well, I that read question. somewhere that, I guess the band had what three vocalists and none of them sang on this record. So, hmm. I, but, but, the, but that, that is like, I was digging deep into the blog sphere. So I don't even know. I, I want, I don't know what to, to trust that, right. Right. but I, uh, but it's, but it's not like, I mean, so this was his first number one record if I'm right. I believe so, yeah. And his first one back, his first record with uh, a new label, actually, that boy, he had signed a new label with uh, Geffen Records. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. this was the or first. maybe it was his first number one record with Geffen. It's, the only, it's the only one. It's the only one he ever did not with Columbia Sony. And later, Columbia Sony has bought it out. But it was, it was back, right. he signed a new deal, and it was for one record at a time. And he, this is the only record that was done uh, initially not under Sony. 
Right. I so, I so I just think I just think it's funny. I'm like, oh, so who sings harmony on "Sent Never Sing Goodbye" or the on the whole album to that to that matter? And I can't figure it out. I'm like, well, yeah. where people really, you know, dive pretty deep into Dylan's catalog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of amazing to think there's anything left to explore now. "Never Say Goodbye" uh, was one of three acoustic demos that Bob had written uh, and performed in 1973. It was with this song and Forever Young and Nobody Except You. And I mentioned that the Forever Young version is the one you hear on Biograph. And you've even heard it on commercials for Pete which shows that you can market any version of Bob. Even an acoustic demo he recorded somewhere in some closet somewhere that they did literally just to copyright the song. And you could turn that into a commercial. (laughs) It's just amazing. So this song has been with Bob, was with Bob right from the very beginning of the whole era of planet wave now I, I quoted the initial two verses there's the third verse time is all i have to give you can have it if you choose with me you can live never say goodbye now when i went to research this song yeah, i've never heard that and, right song. i got to that verse and i went wait <laughs> no. what and i you know i dig out the song and i'm like he doesn't sing that on this no. song and no he does not so this so this verse totally uh, i don't know where this verse I don't comes know either. from exactly. I have to assume that it is the original. It is the original version of the song, and then he chose to take that verse out when it came time to actually record it, or maybe even edit it. But th- I will say, I you know, I don't go through BobDylan.com and just read lyrics just for the hell of it. I do it for research. Yeah. So when I got to this song, and I, I did like a triple take. I'm like, wait, have I heard those words before? And I, I don't think I have. And then I, I go back and I it. play and I go, no, he jumps right to the, my dreams are made of iron and steel. Yeah. First. My, like what, and what a great, what an incredible, for, what that, that may, that lyric may very well be why I picked this song. But I was just going to say about that verse, I just deleted it. Cause I'm staring at the verses right now and I just deleted it because it's like a distraction. I'm like, well, that is not, <laughs> it's not part of the song I know. <laughs> my dreams are made of iron and steel. So, ugh, so awesome. With a big bouquet of roses hanging down from the heavens to the ground, and then continues on, the crashing waves roll over me as I stand upon the sand, wait for you to come and grab hold of my hand. And then, oh, baby, baby, baby blue. You, now, again, there's another line I think is, is altered. In the, in the lyrics here, it says, you'll change your last name too. You've turned your hair to brown. Love to see it hanging down. I've always heard Bob sing, you changed your last totally. name too. I think I hear it both ways because I've read, because I've read the lyrics like long before you and I were talking, I was thinking about coming on the song. I've been, and I, yeah, I don't know what, I don't, I think you're right. I think that's what he sings. You've yeah. changed your last name too. Yeah. I mean, we know that he likes to fiddle with the words when it comes to officially copywriting these songs. He's still tinkering, mm-hmm. even down, even down to the words. So it doesn't surprise me at all that that is in there. Now, again, it's it's notable that in the last verse he mentions Baby Blue, which is one of I think of only two references I can direct references I can think of where he is referencing another one of his songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one would be Sarah, where he mentioned Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, but here he's mentioning Baby Blue. Now, I think it's curious in that, of course, in that song, it's all over now, Baby Blue. The object of the narrator, the singer's uh, affection or derision is, well, I was about to say it, is derision a little bit. It's mm-hmm. a kiss-off song. And here he's referring to Baby Blue in a very sweet way. He's, it's doing it in a very nice, uh, you know, gentle, loving way, which is sort of a funny way to 
change it around because you know it's all over now baby blue was a pretty famous song and here he is almost exactly 10 years later flipping the script and using it as a nice thing calling somebody baby blue it's sweet yeah it's so sweet yeah i uh yeah i don't know what that i don't know i can't i couldn't guess as to the intention there so what is it about this song that that uh, drove you to want to talk about it so much Oh God, I don't know. that's hard. That's hard. That's hard. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, had what? to there expect one... that question, Daniel. Yes, I mean, of course. On. But uh, there's one thing. There's one thing about this um, album that I thought was written so well. So this writer Riley, he speaks of uh, the of going, going, gone. Can I read a quote from like this this writer who's writing about going, going, gone? Sure. The, he says because I think it applies to this song. But he says uh, the band, and he's talking about, of course, the band. Um, the band's wind-up pitch to Going, Going, Gone is a wonder of pinpoint ensemble playing, writes Riley. Robbie Robertson makes his guitar entrance choke as if a noose had suddenly tightened around its neck, and you get the feeling these guys could shadow Dylan in their sleep. And it's so true in Going, Going, Gone. It's just this, oh, incredible, just brief rip right into the song but it exists it it, it it's almost as good uh here on never say goodbye so i'm just i don't know i think of things chronologically like the the brief instrumental intro to this song is is incredible mm-hmm. and then um i don't know twilight on the frozen lake north wind about to break i'm not gonna repeat all these lyrics but um maybe it's just simply my dreams are made of iron and steel. I feel like it, this relates back to that poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling, for me. And again, this is all through my weird personal lens of a, a really rough period of time. And um, I maybe there's just like, a, I don't know, there's just a, like a comfort in hearing someone else say, my dreams are made of iron and steel, because that's kind of what I clung to for so long that ended up being, you know, perhaps, you know, perhaps... <laughs> Uh, challenging but um i don't know i mean it's just it's just a beautiful song what was the other song that i re- that i suggested i can't even remember but um i think there were a couple songs i threw out there for doing the show but um well what does that line mean to you what does that mean specifically my dreams are made of iron so because it's an interesting again inversion of dreams which most people think of as of course not being physical they're they're ephemeral by nature they're they're just these things that exist in your head and then he's comparing them to the most hard unbendable unyielding things as possible i mean it's is it somebody saying my dreams are made of iron cells that my ambitions the thing i want to do are unshakable is that what that means to you that's always how i took it that's exact that's that's exactly how that's exactly how i take it that's that's a perfect, uh, you know, I, like, you know, we, we, we built what, well, I, I really don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to go back into that, <laughs> the details of that failure. But um, I was just, un, I just, I believed unshakably in it. Right. And I held on and held on and on and on and on. And so there's just this comfort. And in the middle of this beautiful song, just like my dreams are made of iron steel. I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. I like, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I like how much uh, in the song seems to refer back to his roots, his hometown. I mean, he's talked about totally. He's talked about Duluth and talked about Hibbing. It was like an iron town, and it was that kind of thing. And though there's a lot, I mean, Twilight on the Frozen Lake, North Wind about to break. Those sounds like lines that could have been in Girl from the North Country. 
Yep. Well, yep. I mean, and actually, about this hard winter landscape, this kind of you know brutal place to grow up in. Well, and so my grandmother, Polly, grew up in Duluth. Wow. And it, and it turns out a lot of like Russian Jewish immigrants escaping Russia, escaping, I guess, the pogroms, came through. There was a come through Ellis Island too. There's a big train station somewhere near Duluth that it's, I don't know, one of these car companies is turning into some megalopolis at the moment. But, um, and settled in Duluth. So yeah, my grandmother's in, from Duluth. And yeah, absolutely. Twilight on the Frozen Lake is, that's gotta be, that's gotta be Duluth. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, you the initial lyrics, you're thinking it's, he's talking about a place and then he is, but then it moves on to the thing talking to specific, you're beautiful beyond words. You're be- and it's funny because you're beautiful beyond words. You're beautiful to me. It could still be talking about the place. I mean, he could still be mm-hmm. talking about a hometown, uh, and then in the third verse, not so much. And then dreams are made and I, the dreams are made of iron and steel. And then he adds with the big bouquet of roses hanging down. It's just is, beautiful. It's yeah. just beautiful. It's this just, I mean, it's beautiful simple. kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's like everything is, is iron and steel, but yet it has this beautiful, uh, decor, you know, decoration to it. You know, this bouquet of flowers that are hanging down, which again is... It's, There's something like very Baroque about that. Yes, very great contrast to the iron and the steel. And then he said, the crashing waves all over me is stand upon the sand. And then he, he goes back to the hanging down in the final verse. We said, the change your last thing, you turned your hair to brown. Love mm-hmm. to see it hanging down. So we've got two hanging down mentions. Turning <laughs> the hair to the roses, all in the space of what, five verses? And of course, the, the finished song is only... Uh, well, the finished song is five, and then there's there's six in the, the written version. But I mean, again, he's he's using the same metaphor twice in the in the song. And I think part of the thing I like about Planet Waves is because he's got the band accompanying him. Most of the songs are this sort of like ramshackle cacophony of sound. I mean, the band was never the tightest band in the world, and I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a pejorative way. But it was like mm-hmm. they to me all their performances sound like they're just about to fall apart. In some totally. way, you know, and that's part of the appeal to it. And a lot of their accompaniment here, especially like on Tough Mama, it just sounds like they're just, you know, like just <laughs> tons of drums being, and they're just all playing full out. And yet Bob is sort of like reining it all in with these short bursts of song. Because, of course, most of the lines and almost all these records on these songs on this record are short, these mm-hmm. are pretty short songs pretty short verses so he's kind of like reining it all in even though you've got the guys behind him just (laughs) going crazy and that's that's a sound that um of course they continued on when they went on to the big tour it's not something i don't know if i would want to hear lots of bob dylan records sounding like but but for this one and it does make it sound unique because as you talked about it sounds nothing like the record that followed it yeah. Out of the tracks. And then, of course, the desire even for. So, even when you're comparing those three as a trilogy of albums, you couldn't find three albums that sound more different than those three together. It's, it's yeah. the, the fact that. Well, that was why I was so surprised. I just looked at the. I was like, wait, these are. I, I, like, I had to make a couple of phone calls. I was like, these are all from like the same. Like, you call it three years. I can't remember exactly. Or like. Two it is 74, yeah. 75, 76. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I was like, I just didn't, I was like, this is crazy. These three albums that I've been obsessed with that for some reason I assumed were all just decades apart or just <laughs> apart within the massive spectrum of Dylan are all 
just sequential. And I guess that was why I found meaning in it. And I was like, this means something. What what does it really mean? I don't know. It's just. Well, just the fact that he as band leader can, can sort of be able to command that can be able to be the ringleader for the band. Uh, You know, obviously a a bunch of egos there in that band too. It's not like they're a bunch of wallflowers and then, you know what I mean? And then also to be able to, command uh the band that he was playing with in blood on the tracks and then do it again all over again and desire with a bunch of other people who were not a band uh, to command like 20 different people in that room and, and be able to get them all to play together is again it's amazing the amazing amount of like focus he's got to be able to have and be able to pull out and so this song another thing i'm curious about this song is that it's the penultimate song on the record which i mentioned and i've mentioned in the episode we did on wedding song which is the final song in this record was was written apparently within the last day or two right. of the of the recording process and it was recorded at the mixing session so they were ready to basically put the album together and mix it and you know put the finding touches on it and Bob's like wait I got one more song and then they realized you know as the acoustic finale that's the end of the record so it made me think was never say goodbye going to be the last song until Bob- right. because if you're if you're going into the mixing session you're yeah. you're basically thinking what we have is the record. You're not necessarily expecting Bob is going to walk in and go, "Oh wait, I got a new, I got one more song." Now he's done that before, so maybe you, maybe at some level you do expect it. But it's sort of funny that I always think about that. I'm like, totally. "Well, wait, if Wedding Song no, was thrown in at the last second, was this album always intended to end with Never Say Goodbye, which would would have really changed the tone of the record if it had ended with this?" Totally. I mean, and yeah, and you've got to, th- I don't know, just mean just the title. You know, it's like a. Well, it's not exactly a goodbye song. It's a never say goodbye song, but it would, it would, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it could make sense to, to end the album, but very different with wedding song on there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, so the, 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 the whole album just takes a, a different, I mean, not that there aren't some dark songs on, on uh, planet waves. You got dirge on there and going, going yep. on for Pete's sakes, but it's just sort of funny that he's it, the never say goodbye is such a, it's such a sweet vocal. And again, the, the musicianship of it, the, the sound of it is, and you get, you know, got Robbie Robertson with that like hard guitar or like wah wah thing that he's got he's going like, on in there. Yeah. He's blaring away on it. He's blaring. It's, it's very upbeat. And yet again, when you wedding song, it all of a sudden takes this turn where you're like, Oh, wait a minute. He sounds very romantic through a lot of this record on a night like this. You know, that's a very upbeat. So you ain't mm-hmm. for you. And stuff oh, like that. So very, good. very sweet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's, you're like, mm, wait a minute, maybe things aren't quite so good uh, as he's making it sound in some of these other songs, which is interesting. And then this is there. I have a completely random note. There's probably no connection at all, but my brain makes these connections because I do the show. We know that Bob is a presumably a well. We know Bob's a big movie fan. We know that. He has mentioned that and he's mm-hmm. peppered his films full of film references and stuff like that. He knew his uncle ran a movie theater and stuff like that. We know that. Uh, he has mentioned Errol Flynn in two different songs. Right. And that right. seems more than coincidental that, that Errol Flynn, an old timey actor who was dead for a good, uh, what I think was already dead by the time Bob Dylan became even famous, uh, has been mentioned in two different Dylan songs. There is an Errol Flynn song, uh, Errol Flynn movie from 1946 called Never Say Goodbye. Oh, wow. Now, I've never seen it. And from what I understand of the plot, it's kind of like just a uh, kind of silly romantic comedy. And I didn't see when I read the plot synopsis, I could not see any connection to anything Bob's written here. But I couldn't help but notice it. 
that I'm like, oh, that's interesting that there's an Errol Flynn movie called Never Say Goodbye. Now, Never Say Goodbye is a phrase. It's, it's not unique to the movie or to the song, but I always just wonder when there are Bob uses song titles that are movies, you have to just think, did that just, did he, did, did young Bob Dylan see Never Say Goodbye right. when, at his <laughs> uncle's movie theater and that just lodged in his brain and it popped up? 30 years later, you never know with him. You never know. I mean, he will change his titles around a bit, right? Or, but uh, yeah, yeah, this will, one, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I believe even, I've, I could be wrong. And if I am, I'm, I'm sure someone on the comments will, will comment. But I believe even this whole record was originally yeah. supposed to be called Ceremonies of the Horsemen. Right. I think uh, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Changed it to Planet Wave. So like, even then he was changing the title. And there's even a mock-up cover, I believe, that exists out there of Ceremonies oh, wow. of the that Horsemen. Wow, that is, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, which is like that usually doesn't go that far, but I think Bob Bob likes to throw uh, the record company a, a curve at the last second. The uh, the liner notes that are included in Planet Waves were added so late to the record that they had to be separately included in like a shrink wrap because oh Bob God. didn't Bob did it at the last second and literally stuck them in. So there's a there are probably a lot of Columbia record executives who have to roll their eyes when they you know go all right okay yeah. <laughs> all right yeah it's Bob Dylan and we'll do it for any other guy we're not gonna do it but for the for this young Bruce Springsteen punk we're not doing it but for Bob Dylan I guess <laughs> I guess we'll do it now this song uh, has been played a total of zero times right I, I figured so, I I, uh, I did a li- some research into that yeah never never once huh. It seems amazing, again, very uh, purposely uh, contrary of Bob. He's been known to be that at times. Uh, that right on, the, right on the cusp of going on his first world tour in eight years where he played, you know, however many dozens of cities. And there were times where they played an afternoon show and an evening show. Imagine the energy level you have to have to do two full-length concerts in a single day. Mm-hmm. Um, that you would not whip out every song off the new record. I mean, this, this album came out within just a couple of days of the tour. And, right. and this is like a big, and this tour is a big deal, right? It's a huge I mean, it's, tour. Yeah. yeah. It's, monstrous, yeah, it's like a yeah. massive deal. Yeah. I mean, they made an album and they yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Totally yet, crazy. You would think that almost every song, uh, maybe not dirge because I could see people <laughs> heading to get, maybe people heading to get a beer during dirge. Yeah. But for the most part, <laughs> you would think that every upbeat number on this record would get would get a, a a tryout on a tour of that magnitude and yet never say goodbye recorded for the record uh and then essentially just forgot right, it's it. like one of the three it was like one of the three songs that with it that was that was written before like at right. like for this right as you right, said three demos yeah yeah exactly so, I mean, he lived with it for a while. There's a quote from uh, Roger McGuinn at, where he gave some interview where he talked about that he played it for Roger McGuinn. And he's like, hey, there's this song I'm working on. And there's, there's me, me doing David Wilde, doing Bob Dylan. Uh, but, I mean, you know what I mean? So it's, it's obviously not something that came to and performed it and then just forgot about it. I mean, he lived with it for at least a whole year. So, obviously, he liked it enough to stick, stick around with it and keep plugging. I had heard... Um, that there are apparently six or seven takes of this. I'm not able to confirm that. Uh, but I mean, if that is true, God, you would think he was really trying hard to get this, to get this version out. And yet, yeah, he just never played on the tour and that was the end of it. And it's not even a song that's really been covered uh, right. by anybody famous as far as I know. So it's one of these sort of obscure songs in the Dylan songbook. But again, it's, it's fun to listen to. I hadn't listened to it in a long while 
And oh, then in, in so pre- preparation for this, I played it again. Yeah, this is really fun. This is a really fun, upbeat song. It's nice to hear Bob be happy. Yeah. You know, I want the guy to be happy. So it's fun for him to be uplifted, you know, to be like, he's whoever he's singing to, whether presumably Sarah, but we don't know. But just, uh, it's just a fun, upbeat, romantic song. And because of Dylan's voice, this is another thing that the, the line, the individual outside of the line of my dreams are made of iron and steel, which is a, a humdinger. Most of the lines in the song are not particularly original. Crashing waves rolling over right. me, totally. standing upon the sand, you know. Um, you can make me cry. I mean, right. you know, it's nothing it's terribly trite. unique. I mean, it's not really trite, but, but if it's you... Because, right, it's, it's stuff you could hear from other musicians, necessarily. It's not terribly Dylan-esque. It's not, you know, the, the, in, this, in this room, the heat pipes just cough. You know, it's nothing, yeah. you know, crazy yeah. inventive. Yeah. And yet the grit of Dylan's voice gives it to me a gravitas that if you handed the song to someone who was more of a smooth singer, you know, more of like a pretty singer... I think the song would be almost unendurable yes. in some ways. If you handed yeah. it to somebody who just sang it straight, but because of the, the, the grit and the glue in his voice, it gives it that life to it, which to me makes it pop is that it's say, you know, he can take these sort of trite lines and make them sound fresh and alive because of just the quality of his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. It's hard to describe what makes it special, but I mean the whole album, like, you know, Hazel is so unique and so special. Something there is about you is so great. And the, you know, and uh, you know, you angel, you, I, 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 I don't know. There's, if there's, I, I don't know the right word without sounding like a, like a dork, but there's something just like painterly about this whole album. And it's just one, you know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> for you to use that loser. phrase considering that bob himself painted the front club cover yeah of the record uh you know then one of those kind of unique dylan-esque painting black and white dylan-esque paintings on the on the front mm-hmm. sleeve yeah it's it. a but, great album it's a album cover it's a weird album cover it is a weird album cover it is a weird album cover uh but yeah it's it it's it's a really sweet song i enjoy it it it's it's funny you do mention some of the other ones it's funny you mentioned hazel is that, that um Hazel's a really sweet song. And then the, he whipped that one out for the MTV Unplugged sessions. Oh, my God. You know? And you're like, what the hell? Like, you know, like you always think that he forgets some of his own work because he, he never right. does anything with it. And then, boom, out of nowhere in 1995, he decides to play Hazel. You're like, okay. Like, all right, Bob. You know? So I, I say this virtually every episode of Pod Dylan, and I repeat myself by saying that in every episode of Pod Dylan. But you, you always, when you, you got a song this old. This song is almost 50 years old at this point. Right. He's never played it live. You would probably, if you put even money down that he'll never play this live, you'd probably get your money back. But you might not. Yeah. You might not because you know what? Come 2021, when he, knock on wood, goes back on tour, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of a sudden it'll be like the first concert back. It'll be over on you know, the Bob Page's website. Holy shit. He did never say goodbye. A song four. you know I mean? That's the, he must, it'll be never the tour. Know. It'll be the never say goodbye. tour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> never say goodbye. Jimmy Reed. It'll be perfect. You can just smash those two <laughs> songs together. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really fun tune. And again, I, the, the, my dreams of made of iron and steel are, 
I think a lot of people can relate to that, just that line by itself. No, but you're right because that paired with – and also just the way he sings it, and I'm not going to sing Dylan, but <laughs> with, a, with a big bouquet of roses, and he really hangs on that roses with a big mm. bouquet of roses. Roses. Yeah, just, he drags it out, yeah. Oh, it, there's just something. That, that, that verse is so beautiful, and it's just so, like, I don't know, sweeping. I don't know. It's beautiful beyond words. It's beautiful beyond words. It's <laughs> it can make me cry. So, all right. Well, so you want to wrap up here, Dan? Do you have anything else you want to say about never say goodbye before we before we say goodbye? Nah, no, no, no. You know what? There's one. No, the only thing I want to say about Dylan. Have you? You know, this is a little random to throw out there, but have you covered his Nobel speech? No, but uh, someone has – it's funny you just say that because a day before we're, we're recording this, someone has suggested that the, they cover – they come on the show and the, cover it. I, I cannot wait to hear that because there, there was so much – there was just so much uh, media drama and, and postulating around him, you know, not going whatever to accept the award – and very few people know that he did this Nobel speech. And I, it's just, this is maybe kind of back to, I don't know, how I know Dylan or what I love about Dylan. But that, um, I mean, I reread Moby Dick. I can't wait to read All Quiet on the Western Front, to reread All Quiet on the Western Front. And that Nobel speech, it is so awesome. I mean, it's as awesome as I Contain Multitudes and, you know, Rowdy Ways. And it's just such a cool, crazy part of his catalog it is it is there's so many other things i I try and keep the show uh focused like i'm using that word again i try to keep the show focused a little about that we're talking about the songs most sure you know just the songs and then there will be some some uh some some variable variables in fact uh, you know if if all goes to plan uh, the very next episode after this one will be a big swing uh in another direction I won't talk about it yet because I'm, oh. super sti- I'm so I don't wow. I don't like right. to bring things up okay. until I get it recorded. I get superstitious about that. Right. But um, but but yeah, there's so much other material to cover on this show that I just feel like, man, I just wish I had the room to do more of these to get all this in yeah. because you know there's still 400 more songs to do, and oh then there's God. a you know there's a book, and then there's the covers to talk about, and there's Wilburys, and there's chronicles and there's the nobel speech and there's movies and there's you know oh it's just like how many how many sinatra videos. albums did he do yeah there's sinatra records I mean, oh my god and then there, you could do a, oh and then joey and then joey and, and then uh, there's you joey. know i think i'll <laughs> joey will be like the last episode Whatever, we'll save that <laughs> we can save that one i'll make I my peace it. with joey in the last episode and just say all right everybody thank you it's been I, fun. Okay, wait i love this i love joey i okay. love it I, I yeah, all right. It's okay. not my favorite. I, but I, love well, it. I would. I'd end the show right now if you said it was your favorite. <laughs> so all right. Anyway, I so that's what got me hooked on your show. I love your show, and it was this hysterical hatred toward Joey. That <laughs> I don't hate it. Kind of. Like, I don't hate it. I had me coming back for more. <laughs> I don't hate Joey. I, I, I like to dump on it, but I don't yeah, hate yeah, it. No, I absolutely no, don't no, hate no, it. No. So, okay. All right. So well, anyway, Daniel, thank you so much for coming by. Thank I really you. appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you on Twitter and getting to know you as a fellow Bavian. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, you can find danielstedman.com. That's S-T-E-D-M-A-N, just like Oprah's boyfriend, or on Twitter at Daniel Stedman. 
Outstanding. So <laughs> that's what everybody was thinking, just like Opus Boyfriend. Uh, of course, if you want to follow this show, all the episodes are on our website, firewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're always talking Bob over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. And finally, if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network and specifically Pod Dylan, and I know that you do, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So be one of the cool kids like these three people, Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, and Henry Bernstein. So big thanks to them for supporting Pod Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you later. Bye-bye. Twilight on a frozen lake A north wind about to break Silence down below